0: Chapter 11 of The Santa Claus Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Campbell Shelp. The Santa Claus Storybook by Unknown. Robinson Crusoe. Robinson Crusoe was the youngest son of his parents. His eldest brother had been killed in battle and the second had gone away, and no one ever knew what became of him. Only Robinson remained to comfort the old age of his father and mother. His father was a man of some wealth, able to give his son a good home, and to send him to school. It was his wish that his son should become a lawyer, but the boy's head began very early to be filled with thoughts of travel, and nothing would satisfy him but to go to sea. His father gave him wise and earnest counsel against it, and for a time his advice prevailed, but in the end the boy's desire to roam led him to set his father's wishes at naught. One day, being at Hull, a seaport town of England, he met a schoolfellow who was about to sail for London in his father's ship, and was prompted by him to go with him. In an evil hour he yielded, and without asking God's blessing or his father's, he went on board on the way to london a storm arose the ship was wrecked and those upon her barely escaped with their lives robinson crusoe went on foot to london and there made the acquaintance of the master of a vessel which traded to the coast of africa this man took a fancy to him and offered him a chance to go with him upon one of his voyages and the offer was gladly accepted by robinson crusoe his first voyage with his new friend was very successful but on the second the ship was attacked and captured by moorish pirates, and all on board were taken and sold as slaves. But Robinson Crusoe managed, after a while, to escape in a fishing boat, and being picked up by a vessel sailing for Brazil, he went to that country and settled upon a plantation. He prospered fairly well, but being offered a tempting chance to go upon another voyage to Africa, his love of roving again prevailed, and he set sail once more, just eight years from the time he had first left Hull. One day, when they had been out about two weeks, a great storm came up and the ship was tossed about for many days, until they did not know where they were. Suddenly they struck a bank of sand, and the sea broke over the ship in such a way that it could not be hoped that she would hold many moments without breaking into pieces. In this distress a boat was launched after they had been driven four or five miles a raging wave struck the boat so furiously that it was upset Though robinson crusoe swam well the waves were so strong that he was dashed against the rock with such force that it left him senseless but he recovered before the waves returned and running forward got to dry land in safety then he began to look about to see if any of his comrades had escaped but he could see no sign of any of them night coming on he climbed into a thick bushy tree to sleep not knowing but that there might be ravenous beasts there when he awoke next morning the sea was calm and he could see the ship about a mile from the shore and when the tide ebbed he swam out to her he found that all the provisions were dry and being very hungry filled his pockets with biscuit and ate as he went about other things for he saw that he must lose no time in getting ashore all that he could from the ship. First he threw overboard several spare yards and spars. Then he went down the ship's side and tied them together, and laying a few short pieces of plank upon them, he had a raft strong enough to bear a moderate weight. Next he lowered upon it three seamen's chests and filled them with provisions. After a long search he found the carpenter's chest, which was a great prize to him. He lowered it upon the raft, and then secured a supply of guns and gunpowder. With this cargo he started for the shore, and, with a great deal of trouble, succeeded in landing it safe. His next work was to view the country, and seek a proper place to stow his goods. He knew not yet where he was, whether on a continent or an island, seeing a hill not over a mile away, very steep and high, he climbed to the top of it and discovered that he was on an island barren and probably uninhabited except by wild animals when robinson crusoe realised the lonely desperate situation that he was in his heart sank and he almost wished that he had perished with the others but soon perceiving the ingratitude of this state of mind he fell upon his knees to thank god for saving his life his alone among so many and a feeling of confidence arose in his breast that he would still protect him in the midst of the perils by which he was surrounded. Every day for twelve days he made a trip to the vessel, bringing ashore all that he thought would be useful to him. The night of the twelfth day there was a violent wind, and when he awoke in the morning the ship was nowhere to be seen. He then gave his thoughts to providing himself with a safe dwelling-place. Although he had hardly ever handled tools before in his life, his needs now forced him to discover their use. He set himself at work to build a hut or cabin out of the timbers he had saved from the wreck. It was a task that took a long time, but at last, by effort and contrivance, it was finished, and he had a fairly comfortable house which he called his castle. After it was completed he applied himself to making other things that would add to his comfort. First he made a chair and a table, with an immense amount of labour, for each board that he used had to be formed from the trunk of a tree, being hewed flat on two sides until it was thin enough. To provide himself with clothes, he saved the skins of all the creatures he shot, and dried them, and made garments for himself out of them. In addition, at the cost of a great deal of time and trouble, he made also of skins an umbrella which he needed greatly to keep off both sun and rain he had found upon the ship two cats and a dog the cats he carried ashore on the raft while as for the dog he swam ashore himself and was a trusty servant to robinson crusoe for many years besides the company of these pets he had that of a parrot which he caught and taught to speak and its chatter served to while away many hours that would otherwise have been dreary he went out every day with his gun to hunt for food he found that there were goats running wild on the island and he often succeeded in shooting some of them but he saw that his powder and shot would in time all be gone and that to have a steady supply of goats flesh he must breed them in flocks so he set a trap to take some alive and succeeded in catching several He enclosed a piece of ground for them to run in, and in course of time had a large flock which furnished him with all the meat he needed. Having use one day for a bag that had once held corn and had some dust at the bottom, he shook it out near his castle. It happened that there were a few grains of corn in it, and about a month afterwards he saw, at the same place, some green stalks growing up which, on examining, he found to be fresh shoots of corn then the thought came to him that by saving the grain for seed he might in time be able to grow crops and supply himself with bread he tried this and succeeded in the end although it was four years before he raised enough to be able to spare any to eat for a long time he had been brooding over the idea of making a canoe out of the trunk of a tree as the indians do and at last he set to work at the task he cut down a large tree and spent over three months shaping it with an axe into the form of a boat. But his labor was all thrown away, for when the boat was finished he found that it was too large to move to the water. He afterwards made a smaller one, and succeeded in launching it, and set out to make a tour round the island in it. But when he had been out for three days, such a storm arose that he was near being lost. At last he was able to bring his boat to the shore in a little cove, and there he left it and went across the island on foot to his castle not caring to go to sea again in such an unsafe vessel years and years passed thus away although he had to some extent become contented with his solitary lot yet at times a terrible sense of loneliness and desolation would come over him many times would he go to the top of a hill where he could look out to sea in hopes of catching sight of a ship sometimes he would fancy that at a vast distance he spied a sail he would please himself with hopes of it but after looking at it steadily till he was almost blind would lose it quite then in an agony of misery and despair he would sit down and weep and sob like a child but one day he saw a sight which while it gave him cause for alarm served to turn his thoughts in a new channel It was the print of a naked foot upon the sand near the shore it filled him with a new fear for it showed that the island must sometimes be visited by savages one morning going out quite early he could see the light of a fire about two miles away he stole up under the cover of trees and bushes until he was near enough to observe what was going on he saw that five canoes were drawn up on the shore while a swarm of naked savages were dancing about a fire presently they dragged two poor wretches from the boats one of them was knocked down at once and several of the savages set to work to cut him up they were evidently cannibals that is people who eat men and were going to hold one of their horrible feasts on their captives the other captive was left standing for a moment and seeing a chance to escape started to run robinson crusoe was greatly alarmed when he saw that the runaway was coming directly toward himself but when he saw that only two pursued, and that the runaway gained upon them, he made up his mind to help him. When they were near enough, Robinson Crusoe stepped in between the runaway and his pursuers, and advancing on the foremost of the ladder, knocked him down with the stock of his gun. The other raised his bow and was going to shoot, when Robinson Crusoe fired at him and killed him. Then he made signs to the runaway to come to him, and the poor creature did so in fear and trembling kneeling at Crusoe's feet as a sign that he was his slave. Crusoe took him home to his castle and gave him something to eat. He was a handsome, well-shaped fellow, with good features and a pleasant smile. His skin was not black, but tawny, and he had very bright, sparkling eyes. Robinson Crusoe had now a companion, and in a short time he began to teach him to speak English. First he let him know that his name was to be Friday, for that was the day on which his life had been saved then he taught him everything that he thought would make him useful handy and helpful he clothed him in a suit made of goatskins and the poor fellow seemed to be greatly pleased to be dressed like his master one day robinson crusoe took him with him when he went hunting and was much amused at the way his gun mystified him he first shot a bird friday did not see it fall and was greatly frightened by the noise of the gun but when robinson crusoe pointed to the bird and made signs for him to pick it up he was filled with wonder and amazement it was a long time before he could understand the nature of firearms or overcome his fear of the gun which he seemed to think was endowed with life and which he used to address very beseechingly in his own language begging it not to kill him after he had learned enough english to be able to talk freely he told Robinson Crusoe of a party of shipwrecked Spanish sailors who had been cast ashore on the mainland and had been befriended by the savages of his tribe. A great desire to see them seized Crusoe, and he set about making, with Friday's assistance, a boat large enough to carry both over. But one morning before they had got on very far with the task, Friday came running in a state of great fright to tell that three canoes full of savages had landed on the island. Robinson Crusoe armed himself with a sword and hatchet, and taking all the guns they could carry, he and Friday went to a thicket of trees which stood near where the savages were. From there they could see them sitting about fires they had made, eating the flesh of one victim, while another captive, a white man, lay bound nearby. Perceiving that there was no time to lose if they would save the captive, Robinson Crusoe took one gun and Friday another, and both fired into the crowd together they killed and wounded several and the rest were thrown into the greatest confusion they continued firing until they had emptied their guns then they rushed forward and friday using the hatchet and crusoe the sword they killed all the remaining savages except four who succeeded in reaching their canoes bidding friday release the captive robinson crusoe ran to another of the canoes intending to pursue the savages to sea but in the canoe he was surprised to find another poor creature bound hand and foot he cut him free and helped him to rise for he could hardly stand friday coming up robinson crusoe bid him speak to the man and tell him he was saved when friday heard him answer he first looked at him with astonishment then embraced and kissed him and cried laughed jumped about and sung like one that was mad it was some time before he could tell what was the matter but when he came a little to himself he said that the captive was his father the two rescued men were then taken to the castle and after they had been refreshed by food and rest robinson crusoe entered into conversation with the white man and learned that he was one of the spaniards of whom friday had told him it was proposed that he and friday's father should return to the mainland in the new boat as soon as it was completed and bring the rest of his countrymen to crusoe's island to live This was readily agreed to, and all set to work to finish the boat. The task consumed a great deal of time, but finally everything was ready and they set sail. One morning, a short time after, Friday brought word to Crusoe that a ship was in sight. This was news so welcome to Crusoe that he fairly danced with joy, but presently the prudent thought occurred to him that it might be well not to let those aboard see him until he could learn something about their business there so he watched in concealment and in a short time saw a boat leave the ship and make for the shore eleven men landed and crusoe saw that while most of them disappeared about the island three kept by themselves and appeared to be much dejected when the others were out of hearing crusoe approached these three and questioned them and found that they were english that one was the captain of the ship and that the others were the mate and a passenger that there had been a mutiny on board and that the men as a favour instead of killing them were going to leave them on the island crusoe offered to aid them to recover the ship and going back to the castle brought guns and gave them to them then they waited for the men who were scattered about the island to return and when they came shot two who the captain said were the leaders and the rest taken by surprise yielded without further struggle the captain made them swear that they would obey him faithfully and then returned with them to the ship. Those on board were equally surprised at the turn affairs had taken, and when one of the worst was killed, were glad to return to their duty. Then the captain came back to the island and told Robinson Crusoe that the ship, and all that he had was at his service, in return for what he had done for him. Crusoe told him that he asked nothing more than that he should carry Friday and himself to England, and this the captain gladly agreed to do. He provided him with clothing from his own wardrobe and robinson crusoe took aboard with him in addition to some gold that he had saved from the wreck only his goatskin coat and cap and his umbrella which he wished to keep for relics everything else on the island he left for the spaniards when they should return from the mainland and he wrote out for their benefit a full account of his way of living and all his plans and contrivances he also induced the captain to leave a supply of tools that he knew would be useful to them and an assortment of seeds of various kinds then they set sail and robinson crusoe left the island twenty-eight years two months and nineteen days after he had landed upon it three days after setting sail as they passed near the coast of an island they saw close to the shore a great fleet of canoes full of savages armed with bows and arrows they were going through strange evolutions and friday said that they were probably starting on a hostile excursion against some other tribe when they caught sight of the ship, and saw that those on board were watching them, they came paddling toward it, and soon were swarming about on all sides, uttering curious cries and making uncouth gestures. Those on the ship were very much puzzled to know what their intentions could be, and finally Robinson Crusoe told Friday to go on the upper deck and speak to them in his own language, which he hoped they might be able to understand. Friday did as he was bid, but had spoken only a few words when the savages let fly a great cloud of arrows at him. So poor was their aim that only three of the arrows struck him, but one of the three, alas, pierced him through the heart and he fell dead. When Robinson Crusoe saw this, he became almost frantic with rage and ordered the ship's guns to be loaded with grape-shot and fired into the fleet. The effect was tremendous. More than half of the canoes were destroyed, and the sea for a time was covered with the wretched savages struggling to swim, and uttering the most frightful howls. The fortunate ones and those of the canoes that had not been hit did not wait to help their comrades, but speeded off as fast as they could paddle. One by one the others sank, and in a short time the sea was as clear of them as if they had never been there. Thus a terrible vengeance was taken for Friday's death, but his master felt little consoled for it thereby. The poor fellow was so honest, faithful, and affectionate, and had ways so cheerful and pleasant that robinson crusoe had grown to be most sincerely attached to him and he now mourned him as if he had been a son he caused his body to be buried in the sea with all the honours possible and it seemed to him as if the delight of being restored to his old home was hardly compensation for the loss of one who had become so dear a companion the voyage homeward was continued and no further mishap occurring Robinson Crusoe arrived safe in England after his many years of absence. He found that his father and mother were dead, as well as many of his old friends, and for a time he felt almost as lonely as on his island. But he married a worthy wife before long, and buying a farm with the gold he had brought home, settled down to a quiet country life. He was blessed with children who grew up to be his delight and comfort, and his old age was spent in peace and happiness. End of chapter 11.